Welcome to the Chaos and Order podcast. I'm Matthew, and I want to help you exist in the chaos of our world. I believe in freedom and responsibility. I realize we are often responsible for most of the chaos in our lives. So let's cut some chaos and add order where we can. However, change and growth will take work and add chaos. And that's why I'm here to help. Yes, I am on a personal development journey, rooted in philosophy, and I want to share some knowledge with you. Quick disclaimer, I am not your therapist. I have one, we should all have one, and I can recommend one to you if you'd like, but this is not a replacement for professional counseling. So stick around and discover, I am just as likely to be goofy as I am professional, and almost always entertaining. Welcome to episode 9, which is really just a continuation of last week's episode talking about nihilism and existentialism, or how you could use existentialism to defeat nihilism in this universe. Remember, it's a big-ass universe, and nothing we have found in science so far gives us any inherent meaning or purpose to our existence. And so we subjectively give meaning and purpose to our existence. That is, no cell or atom in your body is the meaning or purpose cell. And so you get to define how you exist, thus existentialism. Let's briefly differentiate some of these terms that we're using here. Because there is a slight difference between a meaning and a purpose. The purpose you give something is probably based on a belief. But meaning is showing that you have or find value in that belief. So, for example, a nihilist would say that a relationship is meaningless because everything is meaningless. They would even say fidelity in a relationship is meaningless. Because at the most grand scale possible, life itself is meaningless for a nihilist. That is, there is no purpose to life itself, or relationship, or fidelity in a relationship. So let me give you a slightly different example. The purpose for you brushing your teeth is because you have a belief, a thought, like, when I smile for a picture, I don't want people to see food from last week, or I don't want my breath to be funky when I kiss that special someone. But when talking about meaning, we are saying that you have found some value in your breath not being nasty for that special someone. Or we could even just say... In general, you value your health, including your oral health or hygiene. So there is a slight difference between meaning and purpose, or even here really even value, but there is some overlap in these conversations that we're having. Well, Carl Jung said, the world will ask you who you are, and if you do not know, the world will tell you. Earlier this year, I kept coming across Jung quotes, and so I decided to order one of his books. I've always known that his psychology had a philosophical side, but I read a few of his articles and they were fantastic. And very existential. But I love this quote because it demonstrates how if you don't fight to define how you exist in this world every day, the world will tell you who you are, what you're supposed to be, what you should do. One of the big concepts in existentialism is being authentic or not being inauthentic. Heidegger is one of the big existentialists, and he says we have been thrown into existence. That is, none of us ask to be born. He gives us some of the best phrases in existentialism, and I used some of them last week when talking about the one, the they, the herd, the crowd. All these are inauthentic. You eat at the new restaurant in town because they say it's a good restaurant. You go see the movie because they say it's a good movie. You read the book because they say it's a good book. Well, after having been thrown into existence, to be comfortable, to fit in, you do what they say you should do. Because instead of owning the anxiety... It overwhelms you and you give in to the peer pressure, to what the crowd is doing. And he says when we do this, we become eternally average. 
And that is one of my favorite phrases about this. You become eternally average when you follow the crowd. Become a part of the herd. Another one of my favorites of his is you are failing to become oneself. You're failing to become you. If you're following the crowd, you're living for them and not for yourself. You're doing what they want you to do instead of what you want to do. You are being what they want you to be. You are failing to become oneself, failing to become you, to avoid the anxiety of being authentic. Listen to this young quote again. The world asks you who you are, and if you do not know, the world will tell you. Well, the world is going to tell you who you are because they are more comfortable when you are like them. But existentialists believe that you get to define how you exist and that you do not have to live for them. Live for yourself. Be who you want to be. Why? Because you are responsible for the life that you live. Building on last week's quote about at the age of 50, you have the face or the life that you deserve. You can do whatever you want. But on your deathbed, you and only you are responsible for the life that you have lived. You can define it. You can find meaning in it. You can live it for whatever purpose you want, but only you will be responsible for it on that day. Think about how every single little thing that you do defines or redefines you. And I love this idea of redefinition. You can redefine yourself however you want every single day. Think about it. Everything that you do redefines your essence or who you are. How many people do you murder with an axe before you're officially an axe murderer the rest of your life? Yep, one. The first time you murder somebody with an axe, you are now an axe murderer. You have redefined your essence. How about the first time you donate to a charity or help somebody in need? You redefine your essence as someone being kind or helpful. Or really, you've become a philanthropist. I hate that in today's world we only think of super rich people as being philanthropists. Looking at the word or the words that make up the word philanthropist, it just means lover of humankind. You love humanity, anthropos, humans. So the first time that you donate to charity, you have redefined your essence, your existence, as being a philanthropist. The first time that you buy a country album, a rap album, a metal album, a grunge album, you redefine your essence as a grunge fan, a metal fan, a country fan, whatever. This all leads me to one of the most beautiful phrases in English, existence precedes essence. Of course, I think last week I told you the three most beautiful words in English were I love you. Okay, fine. But existence precedes essence is a close second. You are a human being who has been thrown into existence before your essence is defined. That is, I never had an essence given to me at birth. I was never told there was anything that I must do or complete before I die. If you were born and they had tattooed on your ass the purpose of your existence or the meaning of your existence or things that you must do before you die, then please inform me as to what it is I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe even send me a picture of that tattoo on your ass. Because as far as I can tell, in my 42nd year of existence, the purpose of my life has been to pet puppies and to kiss kitties. And if that's it, then I got an AF and plus. Because the reason I have not found my essence, what it is to be me, not what it is to be a Matthew, but what it is to be me, is because every day I have the freedom to redefine my essence. Because my existence preceded my essence. Now let's flip this phrase and talk about essence precedes existence. 
Jean-Paul Sartre, we met last week, when talking about these two phrases that he really coined, uses the example of a paper cutter, or what we today would call a pair of scissors. The essence of paper cutterness preceded, came before, the existence of the first pair of scissors, or the prototype of the first pair of scissors. This is not his example, this is mine, so just go with it. But somebody somewhere sometime woke up and realized they had a thousand pieces of paper to cut that day, so they made the first pair of scissors. The essence of those scissors came before the existence of the first pair. They maybe sketched out some drawings or blueprints, and then went to the kitchen, grabbed a couple steak knives, grabbed the duct tape, and made the first pair of scissors, and cut those thousands of pieces of paper that day. So the essence of paper cutterness preceded, came before, the existence of the first pair of scissors. Well, me as a human being, my existence precedes my essence, because every single day I redefine my essence. The obvious example, this summer, just months ago, I redefined my essence as a podcast host or producer or, you know, actually, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here, but I redefined my essence as a podcast maker, but I existed for a long time before that. And if tomorrow morning I decide to get up and cancel the podcast, murder somebody with an ax or donate my money, life savings from being a teacher to help those in need in my community and become a traveling wise man then tomorrow I can redefine my essence however I want. But at the age of 50, I will have had the life that I deserved. Here's a crazy revelation for you. I'm an ethics professor and believe we have free will, and we can make whatever choice we want to rob a bank, to help a stranger, load their groceries in a car, because without free will, doing these things would have no meaning or value. Before we move on, let me briefly compare this existential view of existence precedes essence, more of a Western concept, to an Eastern concept. If you've seen the movies, The Matrix or V for Vendetta, spoiler alert, the hero dies at the end. Because these were influenced by a more Eastern view, where you have a set purpose in life. And once you have fulfilled that purpose, you die. Because there's literally nothing else for you to do. Your existence would be meaningless or purposeless. Well, in existentialism, or here a more Western concept, every single day. Let's say even 20 years after you retire, if that was the meaning of your existence, but please don't associate your life, your existence with just your job. You can still redefine it every day, however you choose. But here's the rub. And what Jean-Paul Sartre calls the paradox of the human condition. He talks about facticity and transcendence. Facticity is threefold. That is, there's three parts to it. The first part is your DNA. The second is the context of your life, that you really had no control over when you were younger. And the third is every free choice you've made up to this point. So let's look at them. The first part of facticity, my DNA, are things that are completely out of my control. But factually, my DNA says I'm six foot five or six foot six. Pale skin, dirty blonde hair, blue eyes, all this stuff that I got from my DNA. And I had no choice about. It. The second part of facticity is the context of my life, my country of origin. That is, I was born in the United States in the 1980s in that political environment, and I was raised in a small town in the Midwest with my parents' religious beliefs, political beliefs, etc. To tie in a previous idea, I was thrown into existence in the 80s in America with its 
religious and political context with my parents' small-town, Midwestern, religious and political views. And I really had no choice about those. The third part of facticity is every free choice that I have made up to this point. As I was just talking about, since I created my podcast this summer, from this point on, I will never be able to deny that at one time I had a podcast. These three things, my DNA, the context of my life, and my free choices up to this point have become my facticity. Transcendence in one word is freedom. That is, I have the freedom to transcend all of these choices, all of these things, but I can never deny that they were a part of my past. And so this is the paradox of the human condition. Let me give you Sartre's example. Sartre is obviously French, and he was writing in the 40s, 50s, 60s, around Europe, but I think you're about to see this conversation is still very relevant to today's world. He gives us an example of two people talking in a cafe. One is a younger man kind of talking to a mentor or an older man in his life. The young man has a past history of homosexual behavior, and he says he does not have to designate himself as a homosexual, or in today's terms, identify. The older man says, well... You've been having sex with dudes, so you're kind of a homosexual. That's what the term means. So he does need to designate himself or identify as a homosexual. Sartre has been eavesdropping on this conversation from the next table, and he butts in and tells them they're both wrong. Because that's what philosophers do. We tell people they're wrong. To the young man, he says, you have a past history of homosexual behavior. That's part of your facticity. And so you do need to designate yourself as a homosexual. To the older gentleman, he says, actually, he doesn't need to identify or designate himself as a homosexual. He can stop banging dudes, start banging ladies, and transcend his past. Now, please understand, the point of this story is everything we're talking about with facticity and transcendence, and I'm not saying anything about the current conversation as to whether people are born the way that they are. Because this is Sartre's point, and this is the point of existence precedes essence. Every single day, you have the freedom to redefine your essence however you choose. It doesn't matter who you were in the past. It doesn't matter what context you were thrown into as a child. You can transcend or re-identify however you want every single day. And this goes so far beyond just the conversation about sexuality. I could talk about how I was once a carpenter and now a professor. I could quit being a professor and go back to being a carpenter. I could talk about how I did not have a podcast, then do have a podcast, and then I could quit it. You could talk about religions you have identified with in the past and are currently a member of a different religion. This could apply to, I was a Ford or Chevy person and now I'm a Toyota or Subaru person. And then I could go back to being a Ford person. That's facticity and transcendence. That's the paradox of the human condition. We cannot deny certain truths, certain facts about our life but we are always free to transcend them. So I want you to start living your life, finding meaning and purpose in everything that you do, or stop doing it. Because it's not only becoming your life, it's becoming who you are. Consider this, what's the alternative? Everything that you do has no meaning? Even if there is an objective meaning to us in this big ass universe, is it going to hurt you to live intentionally? Live a life with more meaning and purpose in everything that you do. Maybe there is some meaning to our existence. One that is beyond the most 
objective, stale, boring, biological meaning of our existence to reproduce. Again, while most existentialists are atheistic, they're not all atheistic. Kierkegaard was a brilliant existentialist. So even if you're religious, is it going to hurt you to be more intentional, purposeful, as you live your life in a covenantal relationship with your God, loving your neighbor, fulfilling the five pillars, fulfilling your dharma, achieving nirvana, or living with nature? Start finding meaning and purpose in everything that you do, or stop doing it. Well, I'm obviously a fan of grunge, and so I want to read you some lyrics from Alice in Chains. Off their album Dirt, from 92, if I remember correctly, the song is Down in a Hole, one of the most fantastic and deep songs ever, if allowed a pun. They say, you don't understand who they thought I was supposed to be. Look at me now, a man who won't let himself be. Think about how complicated, especially this first line is. You don't understand who they thought I was supposed to be. This world, our society today, will ask you who you are. And if you don't know, the world will tell you. As Carl Jung told us, there will always be a pressure on you from they, telling you who you're supposed to be. And today we live our lives in so many different contexts, who your family tells you who you're supposed to be, your work, your friends. And then maybe you meet that one special person who doesn't understand who they thought you were supposed to be. And then that next line, look at me now, a person who won't let themselves be. Be who you want to be. Because your family, your job, your friends will not be responsible for the face that you have at the age of 50 or on your deathbed. You must live your life taking responsibility for you. Another line of this song says, I give this part of me for you. And that, I think, is the beauty of love. We release some of our freedom. We deny it. We renounce it. And we allow somebody else into our lives in such a major way that your essence will be redefined, not by them, but by the two of you together, now creating not only a new meaning or purpose for your existence, but a new existence where you both get to decide what the essence of your life and relationship is, where you give a part of you for them and they give a part of them for you. They redefine their essence for you, and you redefine your essence for them. So until next time, my friends, make wise choices. Bring a little order to your essence by taking the reins back and defining it how you want. But don't be afraid of a little chaos and love somebody to the point where you give that part of you for them. Because I think we all know there is nothing more chaotic than love. Thank you so much for listening. If you connected with something discussed today and want to bring more order to your mind or life, message me and we can even set up a Zoom console. I am here for all of you in whatever way you may need. But if you are in education and want some help navigating that chaos, hit me up for sure. Everyone, please take a second to leave a review on whatever platform you are listening. This is very important to me and critical for new podcasts. On Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, I am Chaos and Order Coach. So please follow me thump that heart react, and share all the posts with your loved ones. Help me grow this community for real. Think of it as our podcast. Tell me what topics you want to discuss, and I will gladly work up an episode for you. Until next time, make wise choices.